0: We but mirror the world. All the tendencies present
1: in the outer world are to be found within us. If we change ourselves, the tendencies in the world will also change. This paraphrased quote from Mahatma Gandhi is the basis of the program you are about to hear. I'm Dedalian and this is Shining Stars program dedicated to searching out and bringing attention to individuals and organizations that are fostering positive change within our community and within our world. The image of a young kid standing on a street corner, holding up a newspaper and calling out, extra, extra, read all about it, well, it's become an iconic image in the classic movies and musicals. In that tradition, every year in December, you will see the same type of scene in Lansing, but with a greater cause in mind than just giving the latest news headlines. Joining me in the studio today is Claire Kaur. She has been involved with the Lansing Old Newsboys since 2009 and served as the board president in 2017 and 2018. She now serves as a past president and continues to help organize activities surrounding sales day. Claire calls Lansing her home and currently works for the Michigan Association of Broadcasters. But as I mentioned, she is here representing the Old Newsboys today. Welcome to the show.
0: Hey, thanks so much for having me today.
1: It is uh, great to have you here. Now, Old Newsboys, we were actually talking a little bit about it uh, ahead of time, and I remember this as a kid. You know, standing uh, or walking along a street somewhere and I'd see somebody, you know, holding up one of these and I didn't really understand what it was. I don't know that everybody really does even to this day. So go ahead and expound on the the mission, the goal, the objective of Old Newsboys and what it is.
0: Well, the mission of the Lansing Old Newsboys is to raise money to provide shoes and boots for school aged children And we operate within Lansing and all school districts within a 25-mile radius of Lansing. We have expanded our assistance to homeschooled children, parochial schools, private schools, and agencies. For instance, the VFW Home for Children in Eaton Rapids Mm -hmm. and Michigan Department of Health and Human Services. Anybody through community mental health, if we get a phone call that they need some shoes, we'll help them as well. If there's a preschool age child in the home where their sibling is getting help from us, we will help that preschool child as well. So Mm -hmm. we'll help all of the children in the family. We also help families of any age if they've experienced flood, fire, tornado, any act of God.
1: I, it was my grandpa that ended up buying uh, the very first edition of, of one of these that I've ever seen. So explain exactly what it is, the publication itself.
0: All right. This is the fun part. So we partner with the Lansing State Journal and we create the Lansing Spoof Journal. And this is completely 100% satire. It's like the onion. Yes. So we did a tagline in 2016, if anybody recalls that election cycle. Mm-hmm. Remember the fake news? Mm-hmm. So we added our tagline saying we are the original fake news <laughs> because we started this really back in 1910.
1: Right, we right. We joined
0: with the Old Newsboys organization in 1924. Anyway, we create the Lansing Spoof Journal, and it's a lot of fun. And really, a lot of the famous people around Lansing – think it's an honor to be on the front page or have an article, a fun article written about them. So really, it's just making fun of everything that's going on in our communities, whether it be in Lansing, Grand Ledge, Mason, Holt, DeWitt, St. John's. We just really poke a lot of fun. We have a lot of fun. And we hope that our readers are entertained Mm -hmm. You know, and they're giving us their money. So, you know, it's going for a good cause, but let's give them some entertainment for that good cause.
1: Right, right. Now, you started in a little bit there on the uh, backstory. Do you know the origins of how this all came together? Oh,
0: my goodness. Yes. This is a beautiful story. So in 1910, a Mm -hmm. truancy officer with the Lansing Police Department by the name of George Palmer would knock on the doors of students that weren't in school. He thought, well, they're just playing hooky or they don't want to go to school. When he found out that the reason that they weren't attending school was because they didn't have the proper footwear, he began paying for the footwear out of his own pocket. Interestingly enough, Meta Olds, the wife of Ari Olds, found Mm -hmm. out about George Palmer Mm -hmm. and said, I'm going to help. I'm going to give you your first $50 donation, and I am going to be your first board president. So she joined with George Palmer. She got all of her socialites to join with her. And they created the Palmer Shoe Fund. Okay. And they operated from 1910 to 1924 when they retired. And that's when the organization joined with the Old Newsboys Association.
1: Very good. Okay. We've been talking about Lansing Old Newsboys. Now, do you know, is there other uh, Old Newsboy type networks across the nation then?
0: So, yes, there are other Old Newsboys associations around the country. There are two other in Michigan, one in Flint and one in Detroit. Those organizations raise money to provide uh, Christmas gifts for children. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But we stuck with our mission of providing shoes and boots for children okay. under the Palmer Shoe Fund.
1: Very good. So are, are, are the people that contribute the stories, are they are they generally journalists themselves?
0: So back in the day, we had a slew of journalists, you know, mm. that would sign up to, to write an article for the Lansing Spoof Journal. That has since dwindled. Mm. Um, so we really try and solicit for volunteers, hey, if you have a fun, a story. You know, if you got a little humor in you, write a story for us and we'll get it published. So, you know, it's, it's a volunteer basis mostly now.
1: And pretty much everybody's a volunteer at the organization. Am I correct in that? 100%
0: of us and are How did volunteers. you, how did
1: you end up getting involved then?
0: You know, that's a story as well. <laughs> so I used are, to work. they all? <laughs> they are a story. Yes, they are. Um, so I used to work at Blue Cross Blue Shield and we were represented okay. by the United Auto Workers and I was a UAW representative. And at the time, the old Newsboys board of directors had a few um, members that were part of the union, whether it be the UAW or another union organization in Lansing. And they needed somebody to fill a union seat. Mm. And I was asked to join. And I said, okay, you know, I loved giving back. So what else can I do? So I said yes. And I joined. And my first day was the end of November, it was our kickoff dinner. Mm. Where we, you know, gather all of our volunteers, we feed them bean soup and hot dogs because that's the tradition. Okay, <laughs> that's what they did back in the day, and uh, you know, we we rah rah them to go out and and sell the spoof journals. Get out there. Yeah. Okay. So you know, I really, you know, I joined. I was overwhelmed. wasn't quite sure what I had gotten myself into, and then after sales day, you know, we kind of have a lull where we kind of debrief. You mm-hmm. know, you know what worked, what didn't, and what can we do. And then come fall, we geared back up for the next sales day. And after I had gone through a cycle, I realized, wow, this is pretty neat. Mm -hmm. And all of my memories came back too, of seeing, you know, the adults on the street corners, you know, hawking the old the spoof journal for old newsboys. Get your old newsboys. Get your Lansing spoof journal. Any donation, Mm -hmm. any donation.
1: Very good. So. You've been with the organization for a little over 10 years now. You've had to have seen some sort of moment or, or at least had a moment where you went, wow, I am so glad I'm a part of this organization. Is there a story anywhere that you've got where you realized how much of a difference this was was making?
0: You know, serving on the board, some of our board members, some, some of our mature board members that have been around for a while, they've been helped. And mm-hmm. that's why they decided to join the board and give back. So listening to their stories is always very heartwarming. But what always sticks in my mind is we participate in Silver Bells and a few of the other community holiday parades this time of year. And we ride the float mm. and we holler, get your old newsboys, mm. you know, get your old newsboys shoes and boots for kids. And when we see the families and the children lining up to watch the parade and their light, eyes light up when they see our float and the kids jump up and down and point to the shoes saying, I've got my old newsboys on. Yeah. And the parents look at us with this look of just general, yes, yeah. Yeah, it's just gratitude, that yeah. gratitude. Thank you. That's what I was looking for. But just with that look in their eyes and saying, yeah. you know, thank you. That makes it worthwhile, especially standing out in December in the cold. Half the time, it's the first snow st- snowfall or snowstorm of the season. And those parades can get pretty chilly, too. But just think about not having shoes or boots mm. and being out. In those elements.
1: Right, right. And, you know, when we're talking about events, of course, you get old newsboy will do the parades, but there's always one day of the year that it's called sales day that you guys had out there. Now, unfortunately, you and I weren't able to connect ahead of time. So that actually happened December 1st. Am I right? Yes, correct. Uh, But that doesn't mean that the need isn't still there beyond that one day. So, Mm -hmm. What do people do beyond that one day if they wanted to contribute to to, to donate, offer a, any sort of monetary um, donation?
0: That's a wonderful question. A lot of people think because our sales day is always the first Thursday in December, that that's the only time that they can give. Mm-hmm. But we give our vouchers to our children 365 days a year. It's right. not just the beginning of the school year. Right. It's not just in December. Yeah. They can apply for a voucher in March. So we do solicit and ask for donations year-round. So we do have a couple of different ways that you can donate. Mm -hmm. You can text SHOES to 517-208-2788, or you can visit our website at lansingoldnewsboys.com, and there's a link on there, the... the first homepage, right there. There's a link to donate as well.
1: Very good, and I will have uh, that information in the uh, show notes for this podcast as well. Uh, that, of course, will be available at lccconnect.org. So, as the years go by, the old newsboys looks back and, and they want to go. Are we really making a difference? How do you measure success in your organization?
0: Well, the great thing is, is we work with all of the area schools in our service area. And we keep track of how many vouchers come through. So typically what happens is if uh, a child has a need, the parent will fill out an application through the school. Mm -hmm. It's an old Newsboys application. And all it is, is the name and address of the parent or guardian, the child's name, age, and what school he or she attends. Mm -hmm. We don't ask any financial questions. If the child is eligible for the free or reduced lunch program, the child is automatically eligible to get that certificate from us. Very good. So we do keep track of how many vouchers or how many applications, I should say, come in from each school. So we do keep a tally. Mm -hmm. And we really gauge our outreach by the number of kids that we serve each year. Mm. So we serve on average about 7,000 kids a year.
1: That's quite a bit. It is, really. Yeah, definitely.
0: And we have more to give. You and, know, we and, do have more to give. And so. the point
1: I was going to make, was, you know, it's like obviously December is the right time to do this because that's when a kid needs shoes more than any. Right. But... You still need shoes in the summertime. You I mean, do. Most what are so although, although I think I ran around barefoot most of the time. <laughs> do you I, remember that? <laughs> yes. That was great. <laughs> <laughs> Those were the good old days. Uh, yeah. So obviously, volunteers are very important to what you do. So tell me a little bit about the importance of coworkers and volunteers in trying to accomplish your goals in this case.
0: So we have a board of about 20. And then within that board, we ask all of our board members to grab their friends, grab their family, mm. grab whoever you can, grab your coworkers, and let's go out and sell some papers and let's make okay. some money to to provide these shoes and boots for the kids. So on average, we have about 500 volunteers for our sales day effort. Mm. So I mean, if That's we couldn't do it without them, yeah. and the, the crazy thing is- is so many times we don't know these volunteers because it's a board member or a family member of a board member grabbing a friend. It's the friend of a friend of a friend. Mm. You know? So we don't know half of these people that are just out there selling out of the goodness of their heart. They're standing out there in the cold, and they're hawking that spoof journal, you know, and we don't see them. So those are the people that we really appreciate too. I mean, we appreciate everyone, of course. Sure, But we appreciate those folks who just do it because it's the right thing to do.
1: Very good. So so what do you find to be the most rewarding part about all this?
0: You know, there's just a sense of community. And the one thing that I love about Lansing is we are the state capital, but we really have that hometown feel. You know, I think there's about a three degree of separation from, Mm. you know, you know, somebody and you know, somebody, right. Um, But just knowing that you're making a difference for these kids, you know, they're innocent. And, you know, knowing that they can go to school, and that they're going to continue on their health journey, because without proper footwear, your health declines as well, knowing that you're making that difference and you're helping the families. You know, uh, uh, we offer a $50 gift certificate to Meyer or Shoe Carnival. So you think about that, you know, even if it's a one-child family, that's $50 that, you know, mom and dad or the guardian could spend on groceries or mm-hmm. the heat bill or medication or whatever it may be. So if we just provide a little bit of effort, that little bit of effort goes a really long way.
1: Very good. We found out, like, as we were talking early on, and and, and we were just talking about three degrees of separation, I mean, both of us are MSU and LCC alum. Yes. uh, And I was happy to find out you had, it's kind of off topic here, but it was just interesting that you had such a good experience here at Lansing Community College. Tell me a little bit about it.
0: Oh, my goodness. I loved my time at Lansing Community College. So I graduated from Grand Lodge High School in 1985, mm-hmm. and I came to LCC. I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready for <laughs> college. I didn't know what I wanted to do when I grew up. Sometimes I still don't know what I want to do, yeah, but I'm trying. trying right? <laughs> I know, I get it. <laughs> anyway, so, you know, I, I quit going to school. Mm. And, you know, I don't know, 20 years later, I decided, you know what, Claire, You better. you better go and get your degree. You know, you have some college under your belt. Why don't you just finish it?
1: Now, now you said you went to MSU first, right? Siena. Oh, okay. You went to Siena? Yeah. Okay. All right. Siena.
0: I wish I would have. Well
1: we well, see. I, I shouldn't
0: say that. I love my MSU. I bleed green, but I love Siena.
1: I, I started off at MSU and then turned around and did it backwards because most people go to LCC first and then they go to M- right. MSU. But I, I came to LCC afterwards. So yeah. I, oh, I
0: don't know. That, why. That's a little different.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, it's all right. It was me. Actually, it was me trying to find, figure out what I wanted to do when right. I grow up and right. still working on that. But yeah.
0: Yeah, me too. But LCC really helped. You know, I, I, I talked to quite a few universities. Mm-hmm. A lot of them offer, you know, online programming, so I could go to school in the comfort of my home. But there's something about being around your peers and having that interaction. So LCC was very appealing. You know, I could, I could bring in my credits because back then it was the term,
1: yeah, not the semester. Yep, yep. So
0: we had to do a little finagling with uh, the credits that I did have. But then Siena Heights University offered a wonderful program, and that was through the University Center at LCC. And I could come down to campus, I could be a part of campus life, you know. I didn't have it in 1985, but I had it when I was 40. And you know, I could work and I could take my classes. I did a few online, and within seven years, I had my bachelor's.
1: Very good, very good. I'm glad to hear you had a positive experience here at LCC, and I'm I am absolutely in awe that uh, you folks are doing what you're doing at Lansing Old Newsboy, and appreciate everything that uh, you do there, um, and that you're still a part of it. I do have one more question, more question for you. I just wanted to say thank you for doing that. And I also wanted to uh, reestablish that website one more time.
0: Sure. So our website is LansingOldNewsBoys.com or you could text shoes to 517-208-2788.
1: There it is. All right, so final question, and this is one I ask of all my Shining Star guests. If you had the ability to snap your fingers and put one thought into the collective consciousness of the entire human race at the same time, and and you do kind of have that moment here because it's being broadcast, Uh Uh what would that thought be?
0: (laughs) You know, sometimes I think it's overkill, but it just comes down to kindness. Be kind. Be kind. Be kind. Be considerate of others. Yeah. You know, get out of your head. It's not all about you. It's about the collective community. Yeah.
1: So do unto others as they would do unto you. There yes. you go. Yeah. Thank you. All right. Well, I always hope that a snap of the finger will make it happen. So go ahead and snap those fingers. Remember. We can all contribute something good
2: to this world,
3: no matter how big
1: or how small, a simple smile or a friendly gesture
3: is all it takes
1: to expand positivity
3: one inch further.
1: Thanks so much for listening to Shining Stars and, of course, sharing your time with me today. I'm Dindalyan, and you can listen to this episode of Shining Stars On Demand, along with other LCC Connect programs at lccconnect.org. Featuring the staff, faculty, students, and others that helped to make Lansing's premier college what it is today. You're listening to LCC Connect. To find out more about our featured programs or to listen on demand, visit us at lccconnect.org. LCC. Connect.
4: Voices. Vibes. Vision.
5: K-12 Operations at Lansing Community College is a proud collaborator of the Mason Promise Scholarship. The Mason Promise Scholarship is a community organization of volunteers that guarantees funding for two years of Lansing Community College education to selected Mason public school students. For more information on the Mason Promise Scholarship at LCC, please visit lcc.edu hope. surgery is over
2: oh it's over what happened hi mr detweiler
1: dr newman here you have a new knee it went great you'll be up and around before you know it and it's all because of you uh what did i do you were captain of team detweiler you told us everything we needed to know your medical history your allergies and prescription meds you asked me tons of questions what your
4: options to surgery might be, what to expect during recovery. You even ask me how many knee replacements I've already done.
2: Huh, I guess I did kind of run the whole operation, didn't I? Mr. Detweiler, we couldn't have done it without you.
5: Patient safety. It takes a team. And patient involvement is key. A public service message from the American Academy of Orthopedic Surgeons. With more tips at orthoinfo.org slash patientsafety.
4: Lansing Community College's Fresh Start program forgives outstanding student balances, allowing students to re-enroll without penalty. Fresh Start does not apply to student loan creditors. Learn more at lcc.edu freshstart.
3: LCC Connect. Voices. Vibes. Vision. This is Amy Wagoner from the Historical Society of Michigan with a Michigan History Moment. Michigan's 19th century logging companies had a problem. They needed a means to haul heavy logs out of forests, which at that time meant steam locomotives. But steam locomotives needed sturdy rail beds and gentle grades. Engineers considered a three-degree grade a steep one for locomotives, and that meant cutting through hills and bridging valleys. The expense and time needed to build suitable roadbeds made logging railroads impractical. That is, until Ephraim Shea came up with a solution. In 1870, Shea settled near Lansing, then moved to Herring near Cadillac, where he ran a sawmill. In about 1875, he built a narrow gauge tramway and, a couple of years later, hit on the idea that would make his fortune. He designed a unique steam locomotive. Conventional locomotives had drive wheels turned by drive rods. Shay's locomotive was geared with a side-mounted drive shaft. The trucks, the framework that carried the wheels, could pivot. The boiler was offset to compensate for the weight of a vertically mounted motor on the other side that turned the drive shaft. People laughed at the Shea design, but they stopped laughing when they saw the chaise in operation. The geared drive eliminated the pounding of the drive wheels, and the pivoting trucks allowed the chaise to negotiate sharp turns in the track. Best of all, the chaise could handle steep grades of as much as six degrees with ease. All of that meant that a Shea locomotive could run on cheap, poorly built roadbeds and in mountainous terrain. The geared drive limited their speed, but low speeds posed no problem for logging or mining railroads. Ephraim Shea licensed the Lima Locomotive Works in Lima, Ohio to build his locomotives. The first one went to a logging company in Grand Rapids in 1880. The new locomotives caught on quickly and by 1892, Lima had sold some 300 of them. Ephraim Shea and his family moved to Harbor Springs, Michigan in 1888, where he built a house as peculiar as his locomotive. The Shea Hexagon House had four hexagonal wings that came out from a two-story hexagonal core and was clad inside and out with sheets of stamped steel. Ephraim Shea died in 1916. His hexagonal house, now owned by the Harbor Springs Area Historical Society, is listed on the National Register of Historic Places. This Michigan History Moment was brought to you by michiganhistorymagazine.org.
1: Featuring the faculty, staff, students, and others that helped to make Lansing's premier college what it is today. LCC Connect. Mid-Michigan's connection to Lansing Community College. To find out more about our featured programs or to listen on demand, visit us at
5: lccconnect.org. LCC Connect. Voices. Vibes.
6: Vision. Lansing Community College's Business and Community Institute provides businesses with customized synergistic trainings that realize logistical opportunity. Learn more about the future of business today at lcc.edu bci.
3: Just now, another kid dropped out of school. There's one every 20 seconds, over 200 kids an hour. That adds up to nearly 5,000 kids every school day. If we do nothing, 3.5 million kids won't receive a diploma over the next four years. But there is someone who can change that. And that someone is you. United Way knows that kids who have a caring adult in their life are more likely to make it. So make a pledge. Tutor a child who needs help. Mentor a kid who needs someone on their side. Volunteer to read to children because the path to success or failure starts long before graduation day. And the difference between a graduate and a dropout could be you. Take the pledge to volunteer now at unitedway.org. Brought to you by United Way and the Ad Council.
1: Lansing Community College's downtown and West Campus offer newly renovated conference and event spaces that can accommodate over 500 attendees. Professional event planners are available to guide you through your experience from setup to catering. LCC offers convenient locations, state-of-the-art technology and hybrid meeting capabilities, in-house catering, free event parking, and on-site customer service. For more information about LCC's conference and event spaces, or to request a rental quote, please contact LCC's conference services at lcc-events at lcc.edu. LCC connect voices vibes vision
5: Welcome to galaxy forum i'm your host melissa kaplan and we're here to explore the creativity happening in the lcc galaxy in our classrooms and on campus and connecting the work of our stars with our community in this episode We're exploring learning and working in aviation maintenance, and what it means for the Lansing area and beyond that LCC has a top-notch aviation maintenance technology program. I'm so pleased to welcome our guest today, Nicole Noel-Williams, who is the President and CEO of the Capital Region Airport Authority. Welcome, Nicole. Thank you. Nice to be here. Thank you. And from LCC, we have two guests. We have Mark Bathurst, who is the director of LCC's Aviation Maintenance Technology Program. Welcome, Mark. Thank you. It's great to be here. And Leah Dank, who is a second-year student in the Aviation Maintenance Technology Program and one of eight women to be graduating in 2023. Welcome, Leah. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. (laughs) So before we jump into the big picture of what LCC's program is all about and the community impact. Leah, I want to start with you and ask you what drew you to this program?
6: Um, So I went through the Wilson Talent Center's ground school program because initially I thought I wanted to become a pilot and I decided being a pilot wasn't for me so I decided to switch over to maintenance because that seemed a little more interesting and up my alley. And I'm from Mason, so I knew about the airport and LCC's aviation maintenance
5: program. So what is it about maintenance that is interesting to you? Because when people think of aviation, I bet a whole lot of people who think about aviation careers are thinking about piloting that plane or somehow being on the plane. But I'm really intrigued. What drew you into maintenance?
6: I really like working with my hands. (laughs) So um, being able to wrench on an engine or rivet aircraft structure Really, I think that's what drew me, as opposed to the more technical piloting side. And I like working with systems and troubleshooting, like what stuff's going wrong. So I think that's what drew me.
5: That Those are important interests, I think, in order to do what you're doing. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's why I would think the troubleshooting is is crucial. Mm-hmm. Um, I have to just share, I was recently tuned into the Artemis launch, which is uh, uh, and talk about troubleshooting and what it takes to get this launch to the moon um, that's going to stay up there for for some significant amount of time. It's impressive. So people who have jobs like you're aspiring to are so crucial for the successful operation and you know, kind of make the world go around and make the planes fly. <laughs> so thank you, thank you for doing that. So what mark, do people learn in the aviation? Maintenance technology program in terms of making the planes fly and tell us about a little bit about what and how uh, and how our
4: program runs. Sure so the FAA Federal Aviation Administration starts with the basic structure of the program. They tell us what we teach um, the levels of proficiency our students need to achieve, how many hours we spend on a various subject. We teach from front to back top to bottom of everything about an airplane. And the reason we do that is because our students, when they leave as graduates, will go possibly to airlines, they may go to manufacturing, they may go to repair facilities, they may go to a component repair or manufacturing facility. So we don't know where our students are going to go, so we have to teach them everything. Um, And by everything, I mean everything. Every part of an airplane, and Leah can tell you, whether it's the control surfaces on the back of the wing or the tail, whether it's the engines, whether it's the cockpit, all of the cables that fly or the pilots used to fly, everything about an airplane Leah knows by the time she graduates. Subsequent to graduation, our students sit for a series of examinations with the FAA, totally separate from what we teach, um, and they're evaluated on their knowledge and their skill. So our job is to make sure not only do they know everything that we need them to, to know, but that they can successfully pass their licensure process with the FAA. Upon completion of that, they're awarded what's called an airframe and power plant license. It's a federal license, which means it's good anywhere in the United States. In fact, we have students working overseas. Whereas if you go to nursing school in Michigan and then transfer to Ohio, you have to become re-licensed, depending on reciprocity. With the FA license being a federal license, you go to school in Michigan, you can work in California or vice versa. Which gives our students great transferability of skills because the majority of our students who graduate do not stay in the state of Michigan. So they're out there in the career field, uh, productively working on airplanes, manufacturing components or engines or airplanes or repairing them. And um, Lee is a good example of someone who's doing exceptionally well in the program and will have her choice of probably six or seven different job offers, excuse me, job offers by the time she graduates. That's incredibly impressive. It is, yeah.
5: yeah. I think every student would like to be in that position. <laughs> I've heard that about our program that, and about aviation maintenance technology, that it's in huge demand.
4: Yeah. Not only is it in huge demand, but the salaries now are significant. Our students are going to be looking at a starting salary of $60,000 a year or more wow. after two years in our program. And, and there'll be things like bonuses and profit sharing, relocation allowance, tool allowances, all the inducements that an employer needs to have for a student to come, a graduate to come and work for them are out there in the career field right now. It's phenomenal.
5: That's that's it's incredible. a great place to be.
4: Yeah. Yeah.
5: So Nicole, I heard Mark say that that a lot of our students don't stay right in this area or in Michigan, and yet there's a an impact, a very positive impact of the kind of the synergy between the Aviation Maintenance Technology Program and the Capital Region Airport Authority that manages not only our, our, our public, well, both our airports, the, the Mason-Jewitt right. Airport. So tell us a little bit about that impact and, and what it means to the Capital Region Airport Authority and our community.
7: Yeah, as you said, the Airport Authority actually owns and operates the Capital Region International Airport here in Lansing, but we also manage Mason-Jewitt, which is where LCC's uh, program is, is held but graduates coming out, and I believe right now you've got, what, 89 students that are are going through the program today. And as those students are coming out, there's a lot of opportunities, as Mark mentioned, for them to stay in the airline industry, to look at the aerospace opportunities. And and aerospace in the state of Michigan continues to grow. There's a lot of Mm. opportunities as students continue to graduate and come out, as, as the state of Michigan's working on attracting these aerospace manufacturers into the state of Michigan. We hope to create even further opportunities. But we've got companies that are actually maintaining and and housing maintenance uh, facilities and operations at the Lansing airport today. So if you think of uh, UPS that operates in and out of Lansing, they have tiered suppliers that are helping to support them with smaller aircrafts. And we actually have maintenance bases here where there's mechanics that are here to help provide some additional support for that equipment and um, just standard checkups that are necessary. But they're located right here in Lansing. We also have an FBO, which is a fixed base operator, and they provide support for corporate general aviation, charter flights in and out. But they're also a resource when um, there is a an owner of an aircraft that needs some maintenance done to it. So those those types of features are here and available right at Lansing.
5: That's great. What about at uh, so at, at Mason Jewett Airport, where LCC's program is mm-hmm. is located. Um, are there similar facilities, or how, how does that work there? There is some
7: mechanic facilities and additional flight training opportunities down in Mason as well. So it's, it's beneficial for us in this entire region that we're, we have this demand that's here, but we're also creating opportunities, um, or LCC is creating these
5: opportunities for the students to go basically anywhere in the world. That's incredible. Do you think, Leah, you will go further afield? Do you have any idea, or is it a little too soon to tell?
6: I was actually just talking to our coordinator about just kind of what my thoughts are. And I'm really open to anything. I'd like to try to stay in the Midwest, but if not, then definitely like Denver. But I've also looked abroad internationally at what opportunities are out there, because I think that would be really fun as well.
5: Certainly. (laughs) Yeah. So, so Mark. Tell us a little bit about the facility. Um, I've had the pleasure of seeing it, and it's pretty amazing, and I hear it's expanding. So you know, if you and Nicole can talk a little about the airport facility and the school, what students get to work in and on, that
4: would be great. Sure. So we have a 20,000-square-foot hangar training facility at the Mason Jewett Airport. We're the largest tenant in terms of square footage at the airport. As, as you pointed out, as Nicole pointed out, We've got about 89 students in the program right now. We're at capacity. Our classrooms can't accommodate more. Our training uh, areas out in the hangar can't accommodate more. So by virtue of the fact that we've been really successful not only in uh, attracting but retaining students through this program, the college has committed at some point in the future to an expansion. So we're looking at an additional hangar. Um, And Nicole's folks have been very accommodating to work with us because as she said, the Capital Region Airport Authority owns and operates the airport. We're a tenant at the airport. So in working with with the Capital Region Airport Authority, uh, what we've decided is we'd like to double the size of a new hangar, 40,000 square feet. We can accommodate all of the equipment that we currently have stored in various other hangars at the airport property, uh, increase the class size, and teach some other things that we can't do now because, again, of of the size limitations. So this is a growing program, there's a huge demand out there, and one of the things that we think is is really important is to provide our students with a top-notch, first-class training facility, uh, well-maintained. Um, my advisory board was in uh, Mason last night at our facility, and there's folks from Delta and other repair facilities and manufacturers from all over the state. And to a person there, you're very excited about the fact that we have the opportunity to expand and have been very supportive of that because uh, they're the ones who are the consumers, if you will, of, of our output, which are graduates. And they're very familiar with the program, uh, very supportive, as I said. So we're, we're really excited about the opportunity. And again, we appreciate Nicole's assistance in making sure that we've got the land available, as well as the approval authority available through uh, what's called an FAA airport layout plan, to make sure that, that, that space is there and has been memorialized for us to use.
5: Was that a challenge
7: to accomplish, Nicole? Oh, no. Um, you know, I'm a very proud LCC grad, and so I couldn't be uh, more honored to to continue to partner and work with LCC, especially in an area that we're talking about. There is a demand, there is a need for it, and it's going to continue to grow. So we need to make sure that we're helping to provide whatever support we can so they can continue to educate the future in the aviation industry.
5: That's, that's wonderful. So an LCC grad? Yes. Wonderful! What yeah. uh, what was Long your time focus? Ago. <laughs> what was your focus when you were here?
7: You know, that's uh, kind of an
5: interesting story. Originally,
7: I was coming to be a dental hygienist, and I ended up meeting an another inst- great program here, a fantastic <laughs> program here. And I ended up meeting an instructor teaching uh, airport management uh, back when there was a hospitality mm-hmm. uh, program uh, many moons ago. And that interaction that I had with a professor in the hallway just kind of drew me in to take a class. So I took the class and totally changed a trajectory of my career. I mean, I started out loading and loading planes and de-icing aircrafts um, wow. in my career. Yeah.
5: That's that's great. Another, you know, on the ground yeah. person, yep. um, which I'm going to jump to a question that sort of leads me to something that I was thinking about in technical fields in general. They're generally more male employees than, than women mm-hmm. um, in a whole lot of fields uh, in the, the STEM area and the sciences and technology. Leah, how has that experience been for you? It's definitely interesting.
6: Again, like my bio said, in my class, there's an AM and a PM, so I'm in the AM. Um, in my class, there are uh, what, four, including myself, women. Um, so out of 20 people, four of us are women. So it's just definitely very interesting
5: the dynamic, I'm sure, is, yeah. is different. Um, you know, I would, would, would venture to say that there, there should be a lot of mutual respect, one would hope. <laughs> but I know, you know, the dynamics are different, and I imagine that is hopefully not a challenge. No, I wouldn't say it's a
6: challenge. Um, I definitely feel myself wanting to prove myself a lot more, um, and I definitely feel compelled to work harder to prove myself and doing good on labs and on tests, then my male counterparts kind of creates a nice little competition sometimes.
5: <laughs> yes, <laughs> but yes. But it's very it's, welcome.
6: Clearly, yeah. you are
5: accomplishing that. You're sitting here. Yep. You were chosen to do that. So, I mean, Nicole, wouldn't you say women, not all, but I think there's, there's as you aspire to be in fields where there aren't as many women, there's this proving ground.
7: Mm-hmm. Well, there's over, what, 220 women, uh, Uh, public airports in the state of Michigan, believe it or not. Mm -hmm. Um, And out of those, there's 18 that have scheduled passenger service that is um, offered in them. I am the only female CEO in the state of Michigan for those airports, for the 18 Mm -hmm. uh, that have commercial passenger service. And it's a bit of a transition that has occurred over the last few years. And so I'm even, you know, work with other women CEOs across the United States, which is a, a, a small group of us. Um, small saying based off of what Airports Council International membership um, in the United States, their member CEO is uh, less than 60. um, And I think right around uh, 18 in Canada. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm sure there's more outside of that membership group. But it's a very small group. And it's interesting. And as we look at the next few years, we're going to have a lot of the baby boomers that are going to be retiring and and many get into aviation from coming out of the military. And um, from their military career, coming back to the United States, getting involved in operations of airports and then moving into leadership roles. And um, we'll see a bit of a transition, I think, in the next, you know, three to five years will there'll be a lot of airport CEO positions that'll be transitioning to new leadership. So it does create opportunities for women and minorities to get involved and engaged in areas that traditionally um, hasn't been uh, filled by by those groups
5: right that that makes makes a lot of sense and i think as people from those groups see other people in those groups achieving that kind of leadership or Work position, then they may be more inclined to see the opening for themselves, um, the possibility for themselves. I know you were, you received an Athena Award, uh, distinguished Athena Award, and Athena is a a leadership organization. Mm-hmm. And so, as a leader, that's part of your role is to be out there and um, whatever it is that you're you're leading, you're presenting that as a possibility for others to um, follow in your footsteps. So that's that's a really important
4: important role yeah. as, a, as a point of reference. I've been with LCC seven years. Before that, I was an airline pilot for a number of years, and before that, was a pilot in the Air Force. When I started flying in the Air Force, women were not allowed to be pilots. Really? By law, they couldn't be a pilot. Hmm. Um, that barrier was broken down in the mid-70s, and you rarely saw women working on the flight line as mechanics. Um, transferring to the airlines, almost the same situation. Not by law, but just by virtue of the fact that aviation has traditionally been in all facets a male-dominated um, career field. So the fact that we have a number of women in our program I think speaks highly to the fact that it is opening up. And I think that diversity and inclusion are incredibly important to have the perspective um, in any career field. And so it's exciting for us that folks like Leah, women like Leah, want to be a career uh, mechanic uh, working on airplanes, whether it be in manufacturing or repair the airlines, um, that's exciting. That really is, because it's taken a long time to get there. But I think we're, as Nicole was saying, uh, there's going to be more and more and more, and that's exciting. That's mm-hmm. really good.
5: Yeah, and I, I loved what you said about the, the different perspective because that's, you know, by opening things up, that is Everybody benefits. And we know that. Sometimes the transition is hard, but everybody does benefit in the long run. And the, the field and the safety and the all of that is going to improve as a result of having those, those different perspectives. So I want to go back to the program itself for a minute. And Mark, there's something um, that I'm interested in asking about, and that is what it means to be a partnered aviation maintenance school with Delta. That's that's kind of
4: a big deal, isn't it? It was a big deal. Um, Delta looked, this is a number of years ago, five, six, seven years ago, looked out at their workforce, their mechanic workforce, and calculated that if everybody retired the day they were first eligible, Delta would shut down Oh, because it was a, a legacy workforce aging. We had been through nine uh, eleven, and then 2008-2009 recession, and a number of their older, more experienced employees took retirement, left the career field, or whatever. So Delta said, how are we going to find mechanics for the future? We have to fund, in effect, the future. And they looked at the military, where there's not a whole lot of people coming out now, other sources. And they said, you know, there's a great untapped source of talent, maybe not experience, but talent sitting in these aviation schools. So there's 187 in the United States, five in the state of Michigan. So Delta went out and surveyed almost all of the schools. They selected 45 out of that 187. We were really proud to be one of the 45 selected. And what it meant was they came and spent an entire day evaluating our facilities, regulatory compliance, safety compliance, all the things that they do they expected us to do. Um, they went back, ran the numbers, and said, this is a school that we feel comfortable putting our name on. So they created this partnership program, which is a mutually beneficial we receive the training programs that their mechanics use eventually our students will be able to use those they give us parts whether they be failed broken parts or something that they don't need anymore and in exchange our students receive preferential interviews and hiring with either delta or their regional partners nice uh, the types of airlines that fly at the lansing airport and a delta mechanic after eight years is going to be earning over hundred thousand dollars a year and our program... That's progr- impressive. Our, yeah, it is. It, it, when you consider for the folks who live in the in the local area, uh, the cost of the program is $27,000 all in, except for room and board. Um, to have that kind of payback, and with an airline um, as, as well known as Delta, is a huge opportunity for our students.
5: How do you get into the aviation maintenance program, Leah? Was the uh, application process challenging? No, it
6: wasn't too bad. Um, just apply, and Mindy got in contact, the coordinator, and we set up kind of, not an interview, but just a, like, she gave me a tour of the facilities, and we sat down, and we also discussed, like, how many credits it would take to get my general education associate's degree, if you wanted to add on with the certificates you get.
5: And you're doing that as yeah. well, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah,
6: so... That's pretty much
5: it. So there's the, the application. It's not a selection process. It's more is there room
4: than you can take the students. Now, LCC is an open enrollment school, which means that we take all comers. And so what we've done is the, the program is designed to start at a very basic level. Mm-hmm. Um, some of our students don't know how to read a ruler. They don't know the difference between a Phillips and a flathead screwdriver. And we start with those basic concepts, build on that so that the entire program builds on what you've done previously. And um, so at capacity, then we basically create a wait list and uh, the students start once a year in August and graduate two years later in August.
5: And with the, the new facility down the road, you'll be able to take
4: more students. We we would hope to at least double, double. the footprint. Yeah, okay. Absolutely. That's great.
5: One other question for you, Leah, in terms of what you're learning. Is there anything in particular that you've found especially fascinating, and or challenging, or both?
6: Um, so right now, actually, we're breaking down engines. So we broke them down toward the beginning of the semester and then cleaned everything, and then now we're building them back up. And it is equal parts fascinating and frustrating. Like, some days I just want to, like, I don't know, throw it across the room. <laughs> <laughs> throw the engine? Across. this kind of big, isn't it? Yeah, but, you know. <laughs> um, so, Yeah. That's probably been one of my favorite parts of the course so far, I'd say. But yeah. we cover so much from welding to engines to structural repair. So it's we get a lot of good experience.
4: And what Leah didn't say was that they have to make the engine run that they've torn yeah. apart and rebuilt. <laughs> so it's not just a question of taking it apart and putting it back together. We put it back on an airplane, take it outside on the ramp, and they have to make it run. Yeah. Part of the graduation process is a running engine.
5: Definitely. If it doesn't yeah. run, you know, what good are you? That's right. <laughs> what now, good is it?
4: Then we're back to troubleshooting. That's mm-hmm. right. Definitely.
5: So I know uh, LCC's program has been around almost as long as the college, I think. And so it's, uh, of course, as you've described the industry briefly, it's gone through a lot of changes with, with the industry. I'd, I'd like to hear just a little bit from each of you, you know, as we kind of wrap things up. What do you? Besides the expansion of the facility, what do you see in the future, Nicole, for for the program and and for what it means for not only the Capital Region Airport Authority but for the, for the community, industry, yeah. yeah, and the industry.
7: <clears throat> well, first off, thank you for for highlighting this because I think. What we hear on the mainline news is about pilot shortage, pilot shortage, pilot shortage. But we're not talking about this area that's being trained right here in our backyard. And we're bringing these students, getting them successfully through the program. And now they're out in the workforce. As Mark mentioned, we're talking about situations where airlines would have to close because we don't have enough mechanics to keep the day-to-day operation going. So this is such an important piece, at a, an important partnership for the Capital Region Airport Authority, and we look forward to partnering them with, with any future growth, any future training and technology that may be put in place. Um, so we're excited about that.
4: Oh, that's great. How about you, Mark? Yeah, so um, one of the things that we're looking at is what does the industry look like 10, 20, 30 years from now? You're seeing that airlines are talking to manufacturers of electric airplanes. Small, maybe four or five passenger airplanes, the what they call urban mobility airplanes, take off from the skyscraper in New York, fly out to uh, the Hamptons or whatever the case may be, or from Boston out to Provincetown or wherever. So that's something that we're we're thinking about is what how do we have a role in that? Um, the construction materials, as Leah mentioned, uh, we're getting away from metal and going to composites. Composite repair is a big deal. We teach extensively composite repairs because we know that's where the industry's headed. Autonomous airplanes, whether it be from a passenger standpoint or an operation standpoint, certainly something for Nicole to consider is you have airplanes with people flying them and maybe airplanes probably maybe on the freight side to start that aren't having pilots on wow. the airplane. So wow. how, do you, how do you integrate that? <laughs> so there's all sorts of new opportunities for us. Uh, we're, we're continually looking at what do we need to do next. And I think that's, that's exciting for us.
5: Very exciting. And Leah, you can have the last 30 seconds to a minute. Your future is just right on the horizon. What excites you the most?
6: I think uh, getting out of Michigan in the cold <laughs> will be very <laughs> exciting. Um, but also I think I'm looking forward to see how the LCC maintenance program will be able to grow and change over the years, and to you know, I obviously I'm getting a very wonderful education, but to see that even just blow what I'm doing out of proportion, I think that'll be really awesome to see in the future.
5: That's wonderful. Well, I'll be excited to see where you land initially and where you take off from. So, thank you. Mm-hmm. This is a great conversation. And and I am really pleased that we have this program at LCC and that we're able to to talk about it. As you said, Nicole, the focus is so often on things like pilot shortages and, you know, different airline mergers. That's what people who think of aviation and think about most. But uh, making the planes fly and doing it all safely is crucial. None of that would be an issue if we didn't have these maintenance professionals, so thank you all for being guests on the program today. Nicole Noel Williams with the Capital Region Airport Authority, Mark Bathurst, our Director of Aviation Maintenance Technology, and Leah Dank, who is a student currently in the program at LCC. It's it's been a real pleasure, and thank you all for tuning in. To listen to other episodes of Galaxy Forum and all the LCC Connect programming, visit lccconnect.org. Special thanks to our technical producer today, Dadalian Lowry, and to Andy Callis for composing our theme music. I'm Melissa Kaplan, and this is Galaxy Forum on LCC Connect.
1: Connecting you with Lansing Community College. This is LCC Connect.
2: LCC Connect. Voices. Vibes. Vision.
5: Lansing Community College Performing Arts features several events and presentations throughout the year. Find more information by visiting lcc.edu showinfo show info. All right. Everybody in the car. Let's go.
0: What are we going to do first when we get there, Mom? Go for a hike? Sure. If you want. What about canoeing? Can we go canoeing, too? I don't see why. What about a bike ride? No.
3: I want to fish. Okay. I've never been fishing. Honey, we can do it all. How
6: long does it take to get to the forest? It's not. Is it going to be long? No, sweetie. I bet it takes forever.
3: It's not that far. (sighs) Are we there yet?
5: Yep, we're here. ready? No way. Come on, come on. It's a short drive from your neighborhood to your naturehood. Visit discovertheforest.org to find a neighborhood park or green space
1: near you. Also, find fun activities to do like boating and biking or camping and hiking. Plus, much more. It's all right in your naturehood. A public service
5: announcement brought to you by the Ad Council and the U.S. Forest Service. Hi, I'm Lisa Alexander, and I host a show called Who's That Star on LCC Connect. This show is all about an inside look at the LCC community, where you get a chance to meet our faculty and staff, plus learn about their passion projects at work and at home. You can catch Who's That Star here on LCC Connect or listen anytime at lccconnect.org. LCC Connect.
1: Voices. Vibes. Visions.
2: You're listening to Art Happens Here, the podcast that explores the often curious and occasionally amazing art installations on, in, and around the campuses of Lansing Community College. I'm your host, Bruce Mackley. A few years ago, um, the director of our Fire Science Academy uh, approached the marketing department for um, a rebrand. Turns out the Fire Science logo that they'd been using for many years, it just didn't work. It couldn't embroider well, and it was time for uh, for a refresh. So we worked with them and developed what they currently use, uh, which is the LCC Dynamic Star combined with a Maltese Cross. Turned out cool. I mean, we uh, we spent some time on it and there was multiple levels of refinement, but we arrived at what they uh, what they liked and it is on everything out there. You know, it's it's badging, T-shirt designs. Uh, you know, they have stickers for the vehicle. It's very, very cool. Especially given this group because LCC's Fire Science Academy is one of the best of its kind in the nation. And that is no joke. Uh, they're wonderful to work with. Well, what was also included was a, a metal sign Although this isn't really a sculpture, uh, sculpture does intersect with with placemaking, and placemaking intersects with branding. And this is kind of uh, I'm going a little bit off track here, but it's important. It'll come back around. Um, there was a sign of this logo. It was a uh, fabricated out of steel, multi-level thing. I think it was like three feet across. That the uh, the technicians in our uh, tech careers department machined. They machined the. the perfect. You know, the lettering, all of it was very, very cool. And it it was painted professionally and mounted on the wall. And it has, it's great. It's, it's gorgeous. It is absolutely gorgeous. Um, Interestingly, I found out later that when the grads have their cadet pictures taken, they stand in front of this thing, which I thought was cool too. And it hit me how many times that particular image is going to be seen. And I'm, I'm, I'm basing this on some conversations that occurred early in the process where, you know, why can't we just do a flag? You know, why can't we just do a a large sticker on the wall? Which would have been fine, it would have been okay, but this thing is something else. I mean, it really makes a statement that we're here and we're gonna be here, right? So I'm looking at this, seeing the cadets' pictures, every one of them standing in front of this emblem, this gorgeous, glossy metal thing on the wall. And it struck me from brand equity perspective that how many times is this gonna be viewed, this image? I mean, you look at uh, family rooms and living rooms and fire station offices are gonna be populated with proud pictures of whomever standing in front of this thing, not to mention social media, Uh, very compelling. Oftentimes, you know, you probably know this, but uh, firefighters, police officers, the military are generational occupations. There's a deep commitment to these career paths that exists nowhere else. Maybe nowhere else, let's be honest. Um, So it occurred to me that maybe years from now, um, some fire grad is going to be standing in the exact spot that their mother, father, aunt or uncle stood. And that's pretty cool. Art Happens Here is a production of LCC Connect. If you want to check out what I've been talking about, visit lccconnect.org. Thanks for lending us your imagination.
1: This is WLNZ Lansing. You're listening to LCC Connect a weekly program that features the voices, vibes, and vision of Lansing Community College. To find out more about LCC Connect programs or to listen on demand, visit us at lccconnect.org. LCC Connect. Voices. Vibes. Vision.